Greetings, friends and brethren in the Lord. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you with exceedingly great joy. I want to first mention about the website and tell you that you can Google it, but you must put in the whole web address, which is www.pureheart.today. And I would really, really like for you to sign up for the newsletter. That's a monthly newsletter that's going to start January 1st, and you can receive that in your inbox. Um, if you are on the home page and you just um, scroll to the bottom of the home page, you will see where you can sign up for the newsletter. But it's going to be it's going to be chock full of great things, and so I'm really excited about it, and I encourage you to sign up for it. I'd like to just hear from you. Let me know what you think of the program or the website. Um, if you miss any of the radio broadcasts, uh, if it's not at a convenient time in your city, then you can go to the website and listen at, to the podcast at your convenience. And most importantly, if you have a prayer request for healing, you can email me through the website. So I am anxious to hear from you, and I'm really anxious for you to sign up for that newsletter. Today's message I've entitled, Tis the Season. We are two weeks from celebrating Christmas. This is the season to rejoice. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice always. He admonishes us in Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Paul even said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, as he shares a discourse of the things he experienced as a minister of the gospel. So if you'd like to follow with me, you can open your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 4 through 10, and I am reading out of the New King James Version. Paul writes, but in all things, we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by longsuffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing all things. This set of scriptures makes very clear of the many difficulties that Paul experienced in his ministry. He was beaten, he received stripes, he was imprisoned, um, he spent many sleepless nights, he had great needs. He had great tribulations. But 
there were things that helped Paul to be able to overcome all these distresses. And he, he tells us, he says, by kindness, by, or I'm sorry, excuse me, um, by purity, by knowledge, by patience, by kindness. Now, these are fruits of the Holy Spirit. He says, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by righteousness. And then he says, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report. You see, there were, there were those that, you know, dishonored him. There were those who wrote very evil reports about Paul. There were people that said he deceived the people. There were people that said, well, they complained that he was unknown and um, that he was dead and dying. But he said, behold, we live. Paul um, gave us a recipe for success. All of those things through the Holy Spirit, through love, through truth, through the power of God, through righteousness, that was Paul's recipe for success. And it took all those spiritual ingredients to bring forth the end product, despite the fact that he was dishonored, called a deceiver, evil reports being said about him, people complaining about him, people saying he was, he was dead or dying. He had a long rap sheet, according to the naysayers, people who tried to stop his ministry. There were plenty of individuals who, who sought to stop Paul's ministry, even trying to kill him. But even though he experienced so many negative difficulties, it looked like he was sorrowful. But Paul said, yet, always rejoicing. Many thought that he felt sorry for himself, that he was sorrowful for all that God had allow, allowed him to live through. No, 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 not Paul. Always rejoicing. You see, Paul knew that his life was a pattern for us as believers. And he tells us in 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16, and he writes this, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, I obtained mercy, that in me first, Christ Jesus might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. So Paul was a pattern for us. There was no self-pity, no sorrow in Paul. He knew why Christ saved him, that his life and his experiences would be a pattern for us to give us confidence, to know that God is with us and faithful to keep us and establish us to the end. That's why Paul could rejoice. Paul mentions in several writings, as I just shared, to rejoice always. If ever there is a time of the year to reflect and rejoice, it is the holy season of Christmas. Let's look at the story in Luke chapter 2. Mary had given birth to Jesus, and we see that 
starting with, um, let's just look at uh, Luke chapter 2, start with verse 4. It says, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Um, Now, verse 8, it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. The King James Version says this, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the Amplified makes clear that the shepherds were working in shifts. So the first point that I'd like to make is that these shepherds were wide awake. And they had to be because of potential thieves and beasts of prey. Next, they were abiding and they were keeping watch. They were Jews, most probably devout, pious men, chosen by God to have an angel and then an army of angels speak to them. Notice that the angel did not come to the chief priests or the elders. God likes to use those who are humble, humble in their hearts to reveal himself to. Remember that Moses was tending the sheep, the flock, when God spoke to him in the burning bush. David tended his sheep. He was a shepherd, and God used him to deliver Israel from the Philistines. And God also chose this shepherd boy to become the king of Israel. The shepherds in chapter 2 of Luke were not sleeping in their beds, but abiding and watching. They were very awake and had an ear to hear. Verse 9 says, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You see, this angelic presence surprised them so that they became afraid. The light that shone around them would have been so bright as to light up the entire field and make the night as bright as day. They were in the Shekinah glory of God. But the angel reassured them that there was nothing to fear at all. Instead, they had brought tidings of joy, great joy, and that they had a reason to be joyful because this Savior, this anointed Messiah, was going to be a great joy to all people. 
Verse 20 says, Then the shepherds returned. Now, they had just visited the baby, Mary and Joseph. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. When they saw the Messiah for themselves, it was a sign that confirmed their faith in believing that he had indeed come as prophesied. Yes, there was joy in their hearts. They had just experienced a heavenly encounter that was beyond their wildest dreams. And then they had the privilege of seeing the fulfillment of the scriptures as they looked upon the Savior of the world. Jesus was soon to become that great joy to all people as he grew and would later give his life for all of mankind. What has happened to us as a society that many cannot experience God's joy this Christmas season because many don't know Christ as Savior. And even those who do know Christ as Savior, they can not seem to experience God's joy. We as a society have long strayed from the only one who, as the angel proclaimed, will be a great joy to all people. Christians and non-Christians alike struggle with the stress of buying presents that put them in debt. Others have the stress of not having enough money to even buy presents. This constant focus on Christmas gifts, shopping, decorating, and all that goes with it, it just becomes overwhelming. Joy? There is none. Rejoice always? Are you kidding? How do we bring back the joy in our lives? And in this Christmas season, I think there's only one solution. The focus has to be Jesus. Now you've heard that saying, he is the reason for the season, but it is the truth. He really is the only reason for this season. If we extract Jesus from the picture, what would be the point of celebrating Christmas. We could do things like getting back to simple gifts, something homemade, something not elaborate, maybe picking one person to give a gift to instead of everybody having to give a gift to everybody, time with family and friends, giving ourselves to others, and possibly we could just do what Jesus would be doing if he were here this season, he would be giving, he would be loving, he would be praying for people, he would be healing people. My prayer for you this season is that the joy of your salvation be restored, that you would find meaning and purpose in Jesus that your affections and your attention would be on him. Like that Christmas hymn that says, 
O come, let us adore him. We have forgotten how to adore him. We sing the song. We may even go Christmas caroling, singing the song. But deep down in our hearts, is he the one that we adore? Is he the one on the throne of our heart? Unfortunately, this is a season where our focus can totally become out of focus. And Jesus is the farthest thing from our focus because all those other things seem to be much more important. Well, I hope that this Christmas season, you will rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. Oh, come, let us adore him. This message today is shortened. I'm going to leave you with some Christmas music. And again, I want to encourage you to go to the website, www.pureheart.today. Please sign up again for the newsletter. I think you'll truly, truly be blessed and enjoy it. And I look forward to being with you again next week. With that, I leave you with Shalom, Shalom. Peace be with you. Sit back and just enjoy these Christmas songs. <laughs>